Welcome back to another episode of Box Fantasy Talk. Before we get into this episode, I would like to thank John Fitzpatrick for coming out and taking the time out of his day to do this interview. It truly means a lot, and I enjoyed every moment of this episode. I would also like to thank Coach Dan Perez, because without help him helping connect me to Mr. Fitzpatrick, this interview would have not happened. I would also like to thank Dr. Hoffman, William Pruitt, and Beck Jenke for helping contribute to this episode. If you have not followed us on Instagram at Block Fantasy Talk, I highly recommend you do to stay updated when all of the episodes are released. Thank you for listening to Bach Fantasy Talk. And with that, I hope you enjoy our first ever interview on Bach Fantasy Talk. All right, welcome back to Bach Fantasy Talk off-season episode five. This is our first ever interview for the podcast, and we don't have any normal guest speaker today. He led Maris to a state championship appearance in 2017, named to all USA Georgia first team in 2017, four-star prospect coming out of high school, all-state class 4A first team offense in 2017, 2016 all-state class 4A first team defense as a defensive lineman, three-sport athlete in high school playing basketball and soccer along with football, hauled in 29 passes for more than 400 receiving yards and three touchdowns in his senior season, graduated from Marist in 2018, went on to play for the Georgia Bulldogs in 2019 and 2021, racked in 17 receptions for 200 yards and one touchdown while the Georgia Bulldogs, won the 2021 National Championship for the Bulldogs, drafted in the sixth round in the 2022 NFL Draft to your Atlanta Falcons. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, number 87 for your Atlanta Falcons, John Fitzpatrick. John, thank you so much. For coming out today, I know it means a lot um, having you here and you're on your own time. So I truly thank you for doing that for us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, no problem. So um, I think how we're going to do this is kind of just talk about three levels, um, high school and college and NFL and how your pro career basically started and what happened. So obviously I'm playing for most of the same coaches right now that you did in high school. So what was your favorite part about the high school environment that you honestly do not have now playing in the NFL and college level? I would probably say the camaraderie of it. Um, I don't know if y'all still do the camp at Riverside. Do no, unfortunately, we stopped that. Stop doing that. Oh, well, that was a big thing for us. We love that. But just on top of that, just the com- camaraderie, spending going to school from whatever it is, eight thirty to three o'clock, and then going to practice till seven o'clock. Um, there was really nothing like that. And then guys that you've been going to school with since you were twelve or thirteen, all the way to um, then you're 18. Um, you just spend so much time together and then off the field, um, going to eat, hanging out, whatever it is. Um, but it was always fun um, just being able to talk about an upcoming opponent with, with buddies in class um, at, at lunch or whatever it was. Um, that's what I probably missed the most. It was, And I still have a big group chat of 25 guys, but we still talk. Um, and most of them are all of them are Marist guys, but, you know, probably 80% of them are all football players. Um, so we have a good group that still talks quite a bit. Yeah, that's awesome. That's what I love about it. Uh, my friends, some of them are getting recruited right now. Obviously, you started off a lot easier. You were a really talented player in high school. So kind of can you go through your recruitment process, how you got recruited? Were scouts coming to your games? Were they talking to you personally? Like, what was that whole process like for you? Yeah, so – I always wanted to play soccer growing up. Uh, I have four older sisters. A couple of them played soccer um, in college. And then I always wanted to do that. And I didn't know football was realistic. And then 
it got to the point where I played soccer up until my junior year. Um, and I was, I think like, and I used to go from football practice and then I would like hop the fence at Ashford-Dumody and go play soccer for Concord. Um, and it became like too much around junior year because I knew I wanted to play football, but I didn't know how realistic it was. And I was too skinny. I was like, my height now, maybe an inch shorter, so six five, six six, six seven, um, like two fifteen. So I was like really skinny, and I didn't know, you know, what the path would be, but I knew I wanted to commit to football and go for it um, and see what happens. So I talked to my mom and dad, and um, I guess hung up the the soccer cleats per se, but um, just went all in on football. Started trying to eat anything and everything to gain weight and just stay in the weight room. And um, and from there, I was just talking to Coach Chadwick about was this realistic and what can I do to improve my chances? And then I didn't know this, obviously, going in, but creating a, you know, having a big Twitter presence where it was essentially me cold calling coaches, sending out, you know, random direct messages like, hey, my name is John Fitzpatrick. I'm a tight end, D-end at, at Marist School sending my height, weight, lying about my weight, um, where I was saying I was 240 pounds, but it was actually like 215 pounds. And um, saying I'm going to be playing in this, like, um, postseason, you know, football game. Uh, I would love to come out and see the school, whatever it was. And I would be emailing, um, and I would also be sending out direct messages on Twitter. And, uh, you know, once I got, you know, some responses, then it just kind of, kept like compounding and then uh, did well at at some random camps here and there. And that helped get some different schools on top of that as well. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, Obviously a lot of Georgia fans will get to your college experience for sure in a little bit, but um, how did you get recruited by Georgia specifically? Um, Specifically Georgia. So I think I had coach Beamer, who's now the head coach at uh, South Carolina reach out to me and, and ask me to come visit the school. And, and I think it was after my uh, junior year. And so I went up to Athens, um, hung out with the coaches, uh, hung out with Coach Smart, and he was like, don't be disappointed. You didn't get an offer, like a scholarship offer. Um, like, just keep doing your thing. We'll see what happens. And I was like, yes, sir, whatever. Because um, I still didn't know, you know, like what level of college I was going to be able to play at. I just knew I wanted to play. Um, and so – I kept doing camps. Um, I kept working with like people outside of Marist, like seven on seven teams and, and different talking to different people. Um, and then I think it was around like April where I got maybe like Auburn and Florida. And then I guess like how it works is like if oh, if you hear another SEC school offers, um, then like another SEC SEC school will probably offer as well. Um, but yeah, I got a call from Coach Smart. Um, and just letting uh, a couple of weeks later, and then he let me know about my offer. So that's cool. That actually is really cool. So one last Georgia question: How did you? Why would you pick Georgia over Al- or Auburn and Florida? Was it just staying want to stay in the state, right by your uh, hometown? So what were you kind of thinking there? Yeah, for a while I was all over the place, um, just switching from soccer recruiting to to football recruiting, and um, for a while I wanted to go to an Ivy League school. Um, and then like, I wanted to go to a high academic school 
and I was kind of torn. And then I kind of decided I want to, you know, compete for national championships, but also get a, a really good degree um, that can set me up for the future. And I kind of found the best of the best of both worlds with Georgia. And like another bonus was it being close to home, but that didn't matter too much to me because I almost went to UCLA. I almost went to Virginia. I, really, I was all over the place. I didn't like have um, like any like, you know, I dead said I want to go here. But but once I, you know, weighed the, the pros and cons with my mom and dad and, and family about what the best of both worlds in terms of like academics and then just competing at a high level for, for national championships and whatnot, um, Georgia came came out on top and that's where I decided to go. Yeah, obviously, really, really good decision. Um, if you went back and kind of looked at your junior or senior self, would you have thought that that junior self would see you playing in the NFL right now? Or what, what do you think? What would you think your junior self would think looking at you now? I think my junior self would just be in shock, um, especially early in my junior year where I was still a string bean. I, I was like super lanky. I had just quit soccer. I had no offers, no, didn't really talk to schools or anything. Um, and then you hear about other kids getting recruited freshman, eighth grade, freshman year, so, uh, um, sophomore year. Uh, so it's, it's been a crazy, you know, turn of events over the couple of years, but just tried to stay the course and put my best foot forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one question uh, I kind of like to always ask, obviously you've had your really, really ups, but what downs, is there any like major down that just like flipped a switch in you and you realize that's going to be a grind to where you are right now? Like, was there any hard moment that you thought would lead you to where, where you are now or was it just straight grind from junior year to now? Um, I would say injuries here and there. Um, my senior year, having two two foot surgeries at Georgia, um, after after my uh, – well, I guess that's more draft process talk. So are you talking about specifically high school or college? Or just or? Probably, probably anything in your, anything in your career from high school to NFL now. Probably the hardest moment, moment of everything was losing my nan from the time um, in between my uh, senior year and um, fall camp of my freshman year. Um, so I just got to Georgia. Um, I lost my nan to cancer. And uh, so that August, I was in the middle of fall camp. And that was probably the hardest time for me because um, you get to SEC football and you don't know really. It's a whole different world, and I'm still skinny, not strong enough, um, whatever. So that was a, you know, a huge adjustment for me. Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that. But definitely, definitely, I feel I'm sorry for you. Yeah, totally see that. Um, with that transition into fall camp, uh, I, I think your teammate you did play with George Pickens. Um, he said practices in the NFL are easier. Then at Georgia, what would you describe those practices just to the average Georgia fan or just anybody listening? Yeah, uh, those practices were, were tough. Like looking back, I'm, you kind of just smile thinking, did I really get through those? Um, but Monday to Thursday, you're going good on good. Um, Tuesday is called Bloody Tuesday. Same, same thing at Marist. But um, like you're, you're just going good on good. Uh, long practices in the heat full pads, whatever it is, and you'll go late into the season wearing full pads where other teams maybe won't do the same thing. But three-hour practices, meetings for two hours, two, two to three hours as well. Um, 
so it's definitely a grind, uh, but definitely worthwhile and it definitely pays off. Yeah. Um, so obviously you kind of just described what your day was kind of looking like. Like let's say you're an in-season at Georgia. Obviously right now in the NFL you don't have all these classes. So what was like a typical in-season day for you with practices and meetings and all these classes? So freshman year, um, you have this thing called ranking, which is just academic advising or tutoring, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and once you get a certain – once you do well enough, you can kind of um, fizzle out of that and you gain more time for yourself. But uh, freshman year is the hardest. You would show up to rank in at 7 a.m. Um, and then basically they pack all their classes in between 7 a.m. Um, to 12 o'clock. So you might have two classes. Um, and then like uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday, Thursday is how classes are set up at Georgia. Um, but yeah, introductory English classes, whatever, whatever you do, um, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things packed up into the morning and then lunchtime, you make your way back to the facility, you bus back. Um, and from there, you're probably there until seven thirty, eight o'clock sometimes. Uh, but yeah, the first two hours you eat lunch and then you just watch some film and then like mandatory meetings will start around one or one thirty. Um, just preparation for the upcoming opponent, say it was Auburn, you'll, you'll learn about, um, you know, what their personnel is, what their defense um, looks like, uh, what their, their, pre, their coaches, what they're preaching to their players this upcoming week. Um, and then you kind of go over the game plan, different install of, of what passes are going to work, what runs are going to work. Um, so you do that until probably 3.30, um, and then you go back to your lockers, get ready, uh, practice from like four to six thirty, six forty-five, um, and then it's kind of recovery on your own after that. Uh, extra work if you want to do that after practice, uh, but you'll probably finish around seven thirty, seven forty-five-ish. Yeah, that sounds like a really, really lengthy day for sure. Um, who was who was your like best friend throughout Georgia? Obviously, you were there for three years, but who was your best friend throughout your time? I had a good group, but the cool thing about Georgia is everyone was so connected in terms of it wasn't clicky at all, um, which I always loved about it. But Charlie Warner was um, just a big help over the course of my time there. He was there with me for two years, an older tight end. Um, but I had a good friend group of Payne Walker, Stetson Bennett, uh, Owen Condon, uh, Brett Sither, uh, Goody, Ron Goody, Darnell Washington bunch of tight ends, a bunch of linemen. Um, so it's hard to really, you know, pinpoint one one guy because we kind of hung out in groups of, of five or ten guys. But um, we always had a good time together. We'd go to dinner after practice or um, I had a big – we rented a big house where we all lived together. Uh, so it was fun. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I was about to get to uh, kind of asking about that tight end room. Arguably, you had probably the best tight end room in the nation and when you went to the national championship uh, obviously you're in the nfl right now darnell is going there this year and then bauer brock bowers is eligible next year so kind of how was your relationship with all of those guys and your and your tight end coach um throughout your time there and how is it are y'all still keeping in touch right now as well yeah i've been back to uga um probably four or five times since our off season started um uh, last week was for pro day um but prior to that just just stopping through but 
yeah, I have a great relationship with Darnell and uh, Brock. Um, spent a couple of years with Darnell, and we had a lot of fun together. And then I got to spend one year with Brock, um, and we too had a lot of fun together. But um, a lot of different personalities between Darnell and, and Brock. Brock's a little bit more quiet and reserved, where Darnell is. Um, he's a funny cat, where where he's joking and laughing, and um, he spruces up the the tight end room, and we always have a good time. And Coach Hartley was a huge help for all of us just being ready for, uh, for whatever game we were about to play. But um, no, I'm really thankful to have those friendships where, you know, we each complimented each other and where we were able to go 13 personnel, which is three tight ends on the field at the same time, um, probably more than any other team in the country. Um, and then 12 personnel, you name it, um, and just rotate from there. But um I think just like the different personalities and then the different skill sets and how we played just all complemented each other really well to where we could all find success. Yeah, that's awesome. And again, going back to the national championship, um, I remember y'all lost uh, y'all lost in the SEC championship. So as a team, y'all went through hardships for sure in that season. So how did y'all rebound as a team and how was that experience going from losing the SEC championship to Alabama? going down to Florida and beating Michigan and then going back to Indianapolis and winning the national championship for Georgia for the first time in 40 years. Yeah, I think um, losing to Alabama in the SEC championship was really good for our team, um, even though you never want to lose. But a big wake-up call, we had been doing well the whole season, but we also felt like we hadn't been tested. Um, so just playing, uh, playing Alabama um, in Mercedes-Benz and, and losing – in the, in the nature that we did was a huge wake-up call. Um, you kind of go back and finish up exams for, for the uh, fall semester. And then you have like a three-week period where a lot of us call it winter camp. Um, and it's, a, it's another grind that's similar to fall camp um, where practices get really long, days get really long, where you don't have that like 8 to 12 window of, of school. So you're at the facility from – 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m. Whenever you have to check in till like 7:30 at night, um, just getting extra meetings, lifts, um, you name it. So a lot of bonding time, and then everybody, um, all the kids that are at UGA are are basically gone unless you live at, like in Athens or something. Uh, so it's really quiet on campus, and you spend a lot of time with your teammates, which which is good for us. And, and, and we did just that, um, spent a lot of time together. You get closer as a team. You work on, obviously, football, but you work on just the mental side, which I think is just as important, and, and just becoming closer. And that's what we did for the next three weeks. And um, we were able to, you know, not look at possibly playing Alabama again, but just keep our focus on Michigan one game at a time, uh, one play at a time, and, and, and that's what we did. That's awesome. Um, definitely the SEC game, obviously, the Wiley televised game, like all your games are. But um, what, was there a different feel to the national championship game, knowing that this is the biggest stage you can play ever in college football and the whole country is watching this game? Is there just a wow factor to that, or was it just like any other game for you? Uh, there's definitely a different vibe, different feel to the game. Um, but the whole thing is like you don't want to make the moment too big for yourself. Don't want to make it, you know, too small for yourself either. Just realize what you're about to do. But um, when you get too when you get too high or get too low, your your emotions kind of run, 
and uh, that can affect how you play. So I just try to stay right in the middle. Um, but it's definitely difficult. Um, we talked about it with Coach Smart. We have these things called skull sessions where um, you kind of break out into groups and, and you, you know, there'll probably be like 15 to 20 guys that lead a skull session. And it's kind of weird. We have like a, probably a hundred person team um, with the, I think it's 85 scholarship and then uh, walk-ons and, and it just, it's a huge team. So we're able to divide into groups and talk about what this moment's going to be like. Just don't be nervous because this is, we've been preparing for this the whole time. Um and, and like all the all the haze in the barn, whatever you want to whatever you want to say, um, and, and just don't look back. Um, and so I just try to enjoy the moment, um, soak it all in, and, and just focus on the game. But yeah, those first two plays that you get in, you might be a little a little nervous, but you know once you get hit or you go go hit somebody, um, it all just like kind of fizzles out, and you you realize that it's just another football game. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, thank. I got all of that I wanted from the college side. I think you did a really good job explaining all of that. Anything else you would like to say before we uh, move on to the NFL questions right now or no? Uh, I mean, if you have any qu- other questions that you could take, you anything that popped up for you, then you can shoot. But if not, I think I covered a good bit. Yeah, I think you did. I actually want to shoot uh, real quick. Obviously, guys come and go at uh, colleges, all the players. But what was your relationship like with Kirby Smart? I had a great relationship with Kirby. A lot of us joke about how um, you're probably not going to talk to Coach Smart if you're on offense, and then you're also probably not going to talk to Coach Smart um, if you're going to class. Um, so Coach Smart will probably be in your ear if you're late to a class or late to a meeting or lift or um, a tutoring session. And uh, I don't know, I just always felt like that that's super important to me and, and some guys were able to stay on top of it and some guys um is a little different for them uh so um i didn't have i didn't have to deal with them too much but like off the field i love coach smart and he was a huge help to me throughout uh, my all my college years just progressing as a player as a person um and then even to this day uh, just being able to go back and I was with them last week at Pro Day and just catching up and talking and sharing laughs and smiling. Um, but we always have a, have a good time together. Yeah, it's a good part. Also, he disciplines y'all on the field and obviously off the field in the classroom. It's definitely a big part of this good thing that he vouches for. Um, I think we're going to move to the NFL if that works for you. So I think a lot of people are really confused on like the NFL pre-draft process. Obviously, I believe you did your Pro Day at Georgia, correct? Uh, I was recovering from surgery, so no, I didn't. That's right. That's right. That's my fault. But um, did you have, like, any interviews or all these teams calling you, reaching out after you declared for the draft? What was that process like from about that national championship to the actual draft day with all the interviews and all the workouts and stuff? And just you're obviously healing and recovering, but what was that like for you? Yeah, it was a weird, weird process, especially um, being hurt. And on a scooter, from a scooter to crutches to everything. But uh, so the national championship finished. It was an 8 p.m. game, I think, and finished around like, I don't know, 12 or 1 by the time we got out of there. And then you go back to the hotel and see family. And then uh, it was on a Monday night. And I had surgery um, at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. on Wednesday morning um, for my for my right foot. And then 
Um, you, so my, my whole plan of, of going to Dallas where I was about to do pre-draft, pre-draft um, training and, and uh, position work and all that kind of got canned and I, I had to stay at UGA and, and recover and, and heal. And then four weeks later, I had to do the surgery on my other foot. Um, so that was definitely a curveball for my whole draft process, just being like staying at UGA, which is not as common. A lot of the guys get out of there, go to Arizona, go to um, South Florida, go to um, Nashville. You kind of go all over the place. But, um, yeah, I was scheduled to go to, to Texas, and I didn't end up going. So I stayed at UGA um, and just kept recovering, kept doing uh, treatment and rehab. for, And uh, so you, you get to, like, mid-February, and you'll start to hear some things from teams and you do what these things are called top 30 uh, visits. And I think I had like four or five, but um, it's similar to a recruiting trip in college, except you're trying to sell yourself versus like the school is trying to recruit you. Um, So I went to Tennessee, Green Bay, um, Indianapolis, um, and Atlanta. And um, so I went up there. Um, meet with the position coach, the head coach, the GM, um, special teams coach, strength staff, um, and you kind of explain your story. They ask about your injuries and see if you're recovering and when you're going to be healthy again. Um, A lot of basic questions. And then they'll ask you about – they'll show you film of, like, how you played and what they thought was good, what they thought was bad, what you need to work on, what you can do and – what they see you doing, like as a member of the the Packers or Titans or Falcons or whatever team that you're at that at that point, and uh, from there you kind of uh, finish up the visit, fly back, um, and then it was a bunch of Zoom calls where you'll get a text and it's, can you hop on a Zoom in an hour? Can you hop on a Zoom uh, uh, tomorrow, the next day, and 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 just talk football and and they'll pop they'll pop up film from the past season and talk about similar things, what you did right, what you did wrong. And you kind of go throughout that whole draft process. Um, and all the visits finish up around late April, mid, mid-April. mid um, And you have about two weeks left till the draft. Um, and at that point, you're done with all the um, Zooms, all the meetings, all the workouts. And the only thing you can do is just, like, stay in shape and wait till draft day. Yeah, so um... – I don't remember uh, all of the Green Bay, Indy, Tennessee, and all those guys' uh, names for the GMs. And you said that coach was obviously there as well, right? For yeah. Those. Okay. So, um, but I guess we'll drive uh, dive more into the Falcons. So pre um, pre interview or pre draft, what was your interaction like with Terry Fondo and Arthur Smith? And was Arthur Blank there as well for the interview? Arthur Blank, no, Arthur Blank wasn't there, and my. Uh, so I went to the Falcons thing, but I had a flight to Indianapolis around like uh, 12 or something. And I had told the Falcons uh, personnel before that. So I had only met with my tight ends coach, um, Coach Peel. And then I had to get out of there and, and fly to Indianapolis. Um, and they were fine with that. But, uh, yeah, it was really short. And I remember calling my mom and dad after and they were like, how did it go? And I just said, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it was very good. Um, it was short. Uh, and, and I didn't feel great about it after, but 
Um, every visit is different in terms of, you know, how you feel after it or, or who you talk to or who you don't talk to and, and things like that. So um, in retrospect, I, I'm a worry, 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 where I, you know, stress about little things sometimes where over time I realized that I don't need to do that. But uh, the, yeah, the whole draft process was stressful, but uh, I didn't think much of the Atlanta visit. I just thought it, it was good to visit, obviously, but I didn't think I was going to end up there. Yeah, what was your uh, best, I guess, every one visit has to be the worst, but what was your best and worst uh, interview with those teams? Or what would you say out of those teams that you went to? Um, and then you have some teams that, you know, come visit you at UGA. Um, and so I had the Titans come and visit me at UGA. Um, Coach Vra- Like I met with Coach Vrabel. And, uh, and then I actually went out to Nashville and, and visited with them, so. And I thought it went really well. Um, spent about six, seven hours there. And I saw one of my other teammates there. And um, and then two guys that were actually on the team, on the Titans from UGA. Um, so, and I talked to them and we all had a good feeling about it. But um, it all works out how it's supposed to. Um, but yeah, I felt really good about the Titans. I felt really good about the Rams. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, question about the Rams interview. Did um did I you no know, you don't know uh, Sean McVay uh, obviously you went to Maris. Um so was there any like Maris talk with him during your interview with him? Um he called me on draft day. That was my interaction with him probably ten minutes before I got the call um from Terry uh, for the Falcons and he said they had two eleven, two twelve, and I think two seventeen. Um, and, uh, I, I just remember sitting there. I had gone upstairs at that point cause, um, kind of the stress sets in and, and you don't know what's going to happen. I was fine with whatever did happen, but, um, it's a tough day just mentally. Your mind is just wandering and you see other guys that get picked and you think this and that about, you know, where you should get picked. But, um, yeah, coach McVay called me and, um, and I talked to him for a little bit, uh, and he said he's going to take me with one of the three picks. But um, the Falcons were two thirteen, so uh, that's how that happened. Yeah, that's a really, really cool story. Actually, I was just about to ask that. What was your draft day story? So anything other than what you kind of just said, um, besides McVay, any other teams you thought you were going to go to besides um, the Rams and the Falcons? Even if you thought you were going to go to the Falcons, you think you were going to go to the Falcons. So how was that that full draft day? If you can really remember it, because obviously. You only get drafted once, so it's still memorable. It's an awesome day in your career. So what was just the whole process probably from – did you think you were going to go day one, day two, or day three? And what was, like, the whole thing like for you? Yeah. Um, with my status, like, coming off two broken feet, I didn't do any um, pre-draft, you know, tr- uh, like 40 bench, you know, three cone. Uh, I didn't run routes for anybody. I kind of knew coming in. Um, it was going to be later and I had heard things coming like creeping in um, like days before that it could be higher. Um, but I didn't really want to pay too much attention to it. I, I knew for sure it wasn't day one. Uh, I knew it would have been really um, like a push for day two, but I, I didn't think it was going to happen. Um, and then there was a chance that I went undrafted as well. Um, but again, I, I was fine with that. I chose to leave Georgia. I had two more years to play. Um, but I just felt good about 
you know, my chances when I did get, when I did become healthy. Um, but yeah, on day three, it got to day three and um, I was just with, with my family. And then I think I saw, um, it felt like a million tight ends went off the board, but I don't know what the exact number was. Um, but I, at one point I just went upstairs. We were watching it in my living room with my mom and dad and, and sisters. I got four sisters, brother-in-law, little niece. Um, and I just went upstairs cause I didn't want to, you know, be in front of everybody, uh, just cause it was just a lot. And I went upstairs and just kind of like sat on my phone. Um, and then I think my, uh, my brother-in-law took my niece upstairs cause I think she was crying. She's at that point, she was one year old. Um, and he heard me answer coach McVay's phone call. Uh, and then his face kind of lit up. Uh, it was just really funny thinking about it now. Um, and, but yeah, for a while there, I was just sitting in, in my bed for like an hour and a half, just like praying or, or just thinking about everything and excited for what was going to happen, but anxious and, and a whole whirlwind of emotions. Um, but yeah, eventually I got, uh, the area code was Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and it was Terry and then it was just kind of like a dream come true and, and, um, I, you know, walked out my bedroom door, looked because our house is set up where it's like, it's like a banister and you kind of look over the living room. Um, so I just like saw my family and I said, like, I don't even know what I said, but just something about like, it's Atlanta or I'm staying home or something. Um, and there was just a whole bunch of yelling and screaming and tears from everybody. Um, just realizing that I am staying home and I'm not going anywhere and I'm able to live out this dream that I've been dreaming for forever. So, yeah, that's that actually a really, really cool story. It's actually one of the best draft day stories I've actually ever heard. So I love that um, for sure. So then obviously the draft happens. You're still recovering from foot, foot surgeries. You got all that. So um, you get to the start of the year. So what was your mindset at the start of the year? Like, Does the media play a part? Because obviously you know, the media is saying this about y'all. There's a new change. Matt Ryan was gone. Uh, I think Mar Mariota started off the year. Obviously, you're good friends with Desmond Ritter. So what was just like the culture for the 2022 season that like Arthur Smith and Terry Fonda are building? Because I believe Terry Fonda saying he's trying to change the culture and obviously create a winning culture. So what what was this whole 2022 season like for you this past year? Uh, for me personally, it was long um, because they, they knew I was hurt um, and they still drafted me. And uh, I got there and I was still hurt. My foot hadn't healed yet. And... Um, I tried to go as hard as I could for rookie minicamp, which is a short three-day weekend where it's only rookies and you're trying to, you know, go out there and prove it. Because besides the first first-round pick, uh, um, who's like who's guaranteed basically to make the team, everybody else has to make the team, and that gets all decided in in August and in September. But you don't want to be the hurt guy, um, so that was a tough. Um, thing for me, just coming from Georgia, you you always just want to like tough things out and, and just keep playing the next play. But um, they just constantly reminded me that they knew my situation, they knew I needed to recover. Um, so I, you know, would try to push through, and they, they would pull me back a little and just say I need to be smarter about it. Um, but in retrospect, I'm just very thankful um, for the way they they handled and took care of me in the way that they did. But um, yeah, it, the the foot surgeries led to some other 
um, soft tissue things in, in my quads and hamstrings and lower back, um, things that I didn't anticipate. Um, so that kind of slowed my whole training camp process up. But um, as far as the mindset for the 2022 season, um, we felt really good about everything. Um, we were excited with Marcus and Desmond. Um, with the like, we felt we had two really good quarterbacks, and um, obviously things didn't go the way that we wanted to them to go. Um, but I think towards the end of the year, you could see the belief um, and, and what the opportunities are for next year in, in terms of um, the run game. Uh, we felt like we were dominant. Um, in certain aspects of a run game and we have a, a damn good running back core. Um, and then from there, just the passing game continuing to uh, get better and better uh, week by week. Um, we have some weapons on the outside. And, um, yeah, it's just a, a trust thing, a confidence thing, a chemistry thing. And I think it was a really young team, but um, we were able to grow, grow a lot. And I think uh, the rookie class that I just came through with will be big in, in uh, hopes to change the culture. Yeah, that's a great thing. This is your rookie class is actually one of my favorite rookie classes. Y'all obviously contributed a lot to this year. But um, how was the tight end room? How was it this year? Um, obviously, y'all just added John Smith trade for him from the Pats. But I believe you had Kyle. Uh, you had Pruitt as well. And you had Parker Hesse. So how were those three guys? Did any any player on the team doesn't have to be a tight end or not take you under their wing? Obviously, you're a rookie; you got to do all that stuff. So any any guy take you under their wing, help, wing, help mentor you, or was it just kind of trying to learn on your own? Yeah, uh, I think it's a combination of both um, in terms of playbook and, and getting accustomed to everything. It's on your own, but you know I'm very thankful for all of them. But specifically, Kyle definitely took me under his wing. Um, he told me when I needed to do this um, in, in a route or a release or, or blocking um, and then just helped me off the field as well. Just And he knew my situation of being hurt and trying to be out there. And he just constantly reminded to to just keep doing my thing and stay the course and, and uh, remind me that they, the Falcons front office, like likes me and believes in me and not to, you know, overstress or, or get too worked up about being hurt or trying to play hurt. Just take your time and let your let your body heal because you just came off a long season at Georgia. Um, so I would say Kyle Pitts was huge for me, uh, and yeah, I'm very thankful for him. Yeah, that's awesome. I kind of leading my next question, but uh, who's your best friend on the team? The guy you built your best relationship with over this year? Can I pick three? Yeah, that's totally fine. Um, so at rookie mini camp, they put me, Desmond, Tyler, and Drake together. Um, Tyler, Algier, Drake, London, and Desmond Ritter. And, um, like I opened the door and Tyler was in one room, Drake was in the other, and Desmond was in the other. And like, you start off, it's just, Hey, I'm, Hey, I'm John. Hey, I'm Desmond. Um, but it was just cool to see how fast, um, our friendships kind of grew. Um, and, we have a special like tradition on Saturday. We have a special tradition on Saturdays where we'll all go to dinner, um, and the night before the game. And uh, when we don't go to anywhere to like, we'll go to just like a random sports bar, like a sports restaurant, uh, like a Taco Mac type of place, um, just something light. 
um, and we'll do card roulette, which is which is always funny, um, and just to see who pays pays for the bill. But um, we just do fun things like that. We'll go bowling together. Um, but yeah, over the course of the uh, six months of the season, um, our friendships grew and, and grew fast. And you meet their families and their wives, their wives and kids. And um, we had a lot of fun together. We went to Arizona um, for the Super Bowl and, and stayed in an Airbnb. Um, but um, no, I, I have a good group of those three um, that, that I'm very thankful for as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Good to make relationships, honestly, for sure. Uh, kind of a funny question. Uh, I saw the Falcons posted uh, that Instagram post yesterday with you on the Speedway. So what was kind of the, the story behind that? How did that kind of happen for you? Yeah, I just uh, – I was working out. Um, we – a bunch of us work out at Adapt over in Brookhaven, actually like five minutes from Marist. Um, and I didn't even know about the place until I got – I finished my first season – with the Falcons. So um, I wish I knew about that place earlier, but um, I was working out there and then I just found out about the the race or whatever. And I was like, yeah, heck yeah. I want to, I want to go to that. I've never been to a NASCAR race. Um, so we went to that. Uh, me, Lorenzo, former Georgia um, player. Um, luckily I didn't have to go against him. I, I was coming in when he was leaving. Um, Timmy Horn, another rookie. And then Desmond, and uh, we we got there around nine, and um, it was a it was a long day, but it was a lot of fun. You got to be in the in the pit crew area, um, and you got to see like I don't know anything about NASCAR, um, but it was fun to learn about it. And we had two really good guides like helping us and explaining certain things, and um, like there's a lot more to it than obviously just a racer, um, the science behind it, the math behind it. Um, his whole team, his whole, like, the chief of the staff, um, like, running the whole thing um, can be just as important as the driver in some cases. Um, and then we got to stay out there for when they first started racing. And uh, that was probably the loudest. You know, you've probably been outside when an airplane is taking off or, or, or been around a loud noise like that. But that was definitely one of the loudest things I'd ever, I've ever, you know, been right next to. Um, so it, it was cool to see, and the cars were just flying. Um, and then we went back up, and we sat in, in, in these seats. But uh, it was a really fun day, and you got to meet some of the racers as well. And we talked to um, – we got up on stage and talked to some of the uh, fans and did – answered some questions just about the Falcons and the upcoming season. But uh, it was really cool. We had a really good time. And I heard there's a race in July, I think, that I think we're going to try to go back to. That's awesome. Sounds like fun. Um, almost at my last question, but I have one, one question. So, obviously, playing at high school, there's not a lot of media attention. But as you get into the SEC and definitely the NFL, there's a lot of media. So, does the media have any impact on how y'all kind of think or play? Does it affect anyone this much? Um, just what what is the media – how does it impact y'all? Do y'all listen to that or do you just think it's a bunch of gibberish and it's kind of just leading people on? Um, I, so that's a good question. Um, everyone has their different opinions and views about the media. Uh, and it's just, you can run with some of the stories that they write about you or about your teammates, or you can just ignore it. Um, 
I usually choose, I don't, I kind of stay off of social media. I'm not on it too much. Um, and it's never good to like, you know, they'll write about you when you do well. And then they'll also write about you when you do bad. So um, what's really the point as a player um, to be reading all of that? Uh, there's really no point. And going back to what I talked about earlier, you just, you don't want to get too high. You don't want to get too low. You want to stay right in the middle um, for practices or games or, or anything really. Um, so you don't want to go on that roller coaster of emotion. So I choose to stay away from it. Um, but I think there's a lot of good people that, that work in the media um, that are able to tell a lot of good stories, which I think is also very cool. Um, I've met a lot of good people um, through doing Georgia media. I did it quite a bit. And then I've done it with the Falcons. And it's kind of funny. Um, a lot of the people that did interview me um, at Georgia also interview people at the Falcons. So it's, it's cool to see familiar faces um, and spend time with them after practice or, or just talking to them about your experience thus far. Um, but yeah, you can't let it control, control how you play, control how you feel too much. And um, I know collectively as like a team, nobody really, you know, by, like if they wrote, we're going to be the best team or they wrote, we're going to be the worst team. It's not going to change how we practice, how we play, how we, how we think. So. Yeah. So I got another smaller question kind of coming off the media. Um, how do you feel about tanking? And I will say my personal opinion opinion on tanking. I uh, argue with that. Obviously, the media says, go get a better draft pick. Some fans say that. But I like to argue against and say it's better to create a winning culture than go get a higher draft pick. Right? I feel like five. if you had to go 5-12, and 12, I feel like 7-10 is a lot better. You're creating a winning culture. Obviously, you have more wins than 7. But I just feel like a winning culture is better than tanking. So what's your kind of perspective on like the whole tanking part in the NFL? Yeah, I uh... – I hate the whole idea of tanking. Um, and if I was lucky enough to get to like a head coach or GM position one day, that would never be in my thought process at all. Um, I think you mentioned that you always want to create a winning culture in anything that you do. Um, you always want to succeed no matter if you do have a postseason or if you don't have a – whatever it is, you, you want to win and you want to um, use that as a stepping stone for the future. Um and then a lot of the times, if you're talking about our situation specifically, um, what's really the difference between a, the fourth pick and the seventh pick? Or like you, there's constantly good guys that you know pop up in the first round to the second round to the third round and so on. So um, it really makes no sense to me. Um, people even mentioning that, and that kind of goes back to listening to the media or or, or letting that affect you. Um, so if people were upset about the final games um, when we were knocked out of playoff contention, um, it didn't. It was never even in question. Um, you always try to win win games because uh, there's so many positives that can come out come out of come out of it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that answer for sure. That's a really good answer. Um, about about to wrap it up, but I got one last question. Was Walking out of that tunnel for the NFL game, obviously you were on the field for those games. Was it just incredible just to look up and just look in the stand of this massive stadium that Arthur Arthur Blank has built and just be like, I I made it so far. Obviously you have a lot more you want to accomplish, but it wasn't just wild that like you you've made it to the top and you're in that super, super small percent of football players and just the population who made it to one of the hardest playing sports in the world. Yeah, there's a, there was a lot of points, and it wasn't just walking out of walking out to Mercedes Benz. Like, 
maybe my first practice. And then there's certain points where you're like, what the heck is this real? Um, and it's super exciting and like, it's a dream. But then at the same time, I kind of, you have to snap back to reality and be like, like this is what my reality is right now. And you want it to last for as long as you, you can, you want to leave the game on your own terms rather than, you know, the NFL. A lot of people say it stands for not for long. Um, and like the, the life expectancy of an NFL player is very, very short um, compared to your lifespan as a whole. So um, if I spent, sorry, if I spent my whole time, you know, being, being in shock, being in awe, then I would let all this opportunity that I have in front of me kind of, kind of waste away. So um, it's all about just like understanding being where your feet are and, you know, being super thankful, but at the same time, um, like this is this is your job, this is your real life now. So you have to make the most of your opportunities every single day, and, and don't take any day for granted. And then I think the most important thing that applies to like, you know, the off season and as we approach OTAs is just being where your feet are. Um, don't you know look towards training camp? Don't look towards week one. Don't don't try to look towards oh, like we want to be. Um, playing the playoffs, just take it day by day. Um, is and I think that that's what our team is trying to, you know, adopt and and use just as fuel for next season. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's all I got for you. But anything you would like to say before we uh, wrap it up? No, uh, just thanks for having me, um, and really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you, John, for coming on so much. It truly means a lot. Uh, that was awesome. I really loved your answers. And obviously, good luck on this upcoming season. I wish you the best. And I hope you can make the most out of this next season. Hopefully, make a big run. So I'm expecting a big run. It should be awesome. So I'm really happy for you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, truly means a lot. And uh, anything before we end it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it so much, John. Thank you for listening to our first ever interview of Bach Fancy Talk. Again, thank you to all those who helped out. And especially thank you to John. Fitzpatrick for coming on and taking the time out of his day to do this interview. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time.